Week five, just a day away. Texas taking on TCU on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff. We know how uh, dominating Texas has been in Fort Worth, right, over the past decade. Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, Cameron Parker here alongside Westcott Everts. Westcott, welcome back to the Winning is Hard podcast. How you doing, man? I'm just hoping this doesn't have to be the Winning is Really, Really Hard podcast on Monday when we're, uh, we're back after Sark's press conference. It's oh, oh, against TCU. It's always really hard. It's it's never easy. But, uh, Texas has been pressing the hard button against TCU, two and seven since uh, TCU joined the Big Twelve. I spent this morning um, watching TCU Texas highlights in the last two years. Uh, I don't recommend that uh, if you want to have a good day. I don't recommend watching either of those two games, even highlights. Man, that's just very very depressing how we lost those two games. But thanks for joining us here today. We're going to do a little stock up, stock down with the Big 12 teams and close up with some TCU talk as Texas gets ready to travel to Fort Worth. So, Westcott, shall we get into it? You ready? Let's do it. Cool. So we'll start off with the Oklahoma Sooners. Of course, still undefeated coming off a uh, close win over West Virginia last week, 16-13-1 on a last-second field goal. 4-0 this year, still ranked in the top five, I believe. Stock up, stock down for him, Westcott. Stock down for Oklahoma. Uh, one of the most disappointing starts, even with the undefeated record for Lincoln Riley, since he's been at Oklahoma. Um, you know, the really advanced stats, uh, including S&P Plus, still like the Oklahoma offense. Uh, but this isn't a group that's really passing the eye test right now. Uh, Spencer Rattler hasn't been playing at the level that people expected this year. You know, a guy that that came in was expected to be one of the leading Heisman candidates, um, was expected to position himself uh, to come out this year as one of the top quarterbacks in the 2022 draft class. And, um, you know, last weekend, Oklahoma fans during the game were very vocally calling uh, for his benching. And, you know, I think one of the biggest issues that Oklahoma is having right now is that, you know, their offensive line isn't nearly as good as it was, you know, especially two years ago when it was uh, one of the best groups in the country. And, um, you know, that's a little bit surprising to me because, um, you know, Bill Badenbaugh, you know, kind of when that group uh, was coming through, had established himself, I thought, you know, as one of the best uh, evaluators and developers of talent. Um, in, across all of college football. And, you know, I thought that Oklahoma has recruited well along the offensive line, but uh, those guys just aren't playing at the level that Oklahoma needs them to right now. Very young offensive line and a pretty young uh, receiving core too. Mario Williams is a freshman, Theo Weiss a sophomore, Marvin Mims a freshman. You know, one thing that stands out from this Oklahoma offense is so far is that they don't really have that C.D. Lamb type of receiver, you know, that's very explosive that, you know, makes you scared every time Rattler drops back to pass. So he hasn't played well. I, I kind of wonder if that's maybe why with just how young this offense is. But, you know, they're still – Still 4-0, so they're still on, you know, the right trajectory that I think everyone expected them to be. Of course, everyone thought they would be 4-0 at this point. Uh, interesting matchup at Kansas State this week. I don't think Skylar Thompson will, will play for the Wildcats against that game. And then, of course, Texas in two weeks. Anything they can do to make you change your opinion of them, Westcott? Uh, I, yeah, you mentioned the wide receiver court. You know, I think those guys have to produce a little bit more. Um, a lot of talent there. I mean, let's see, Weez is, what, in his third year in the program? You know, Marvin Mims had such a, 
a positive freshman season last year, nine touchdowns, 610 receiving yards, only 10 catches for 193 yards this year. So, you know, that explosiveness is still there, but uh, no touchdown catches for Marvin Mims. Um, you know, Jaden Hazelwood, another guy in there, a former five-star prospect. Um, you know, those guys are good enough. They should be able to create separation. And, and Spencer Rattler, you know, needs to hit them when they're open. Lincoln Riley can can scheme those guys open. They're they're capable of getting open, and you know, Rattler is capable of of making those connections when they're there. Do you think they're still the odds-on favorite to win the Big Twelve, though? I know in ESPN's FPI they are, and I would put them as as the odds-on favorite. I think, you know, we talked a little bit on Monday about, you know, how much potential Texas has to get better. Um, you know, Oklahoma, as not the most underachieving team in the Big 12, but probably one of the teams that, that has the biggest gap between their potential and where they're achieving right now. Um, you know, I think Texas is, is going to be a little bit lucky to to catch them uh, here and uh, a little bit more than a week up in Dallas, because, you know, this is an Oklahoma team that should be significantly better by the end of the season. You know, especially, you know, if Texas can put themselves in a position to, you know, play Oklahoma, you know, in um, in Arlington and at AT and T Stadium in the Big Twelve Championship game, I, I think this is a team that that has a lot of potential to look very different by that point. Scored sixteen points last week against West Virginia. They haven't scored as low as that in the past five years. Just what's in front of me, and they had twenty three against Nebraska the week before that. So definitely not the Oklahoma offense that we're accustomed to, but still a long ways to go. Okay, so stock down for Oklahoma. Let's move on to the number two team in the Big Twelve preseason rankings, the Iowa State Cyclones. Two and two this year, coming off a loss to Baylor, thirty-one to twenty-nine. Lost to Iowa in week two, that top ten matchup. Lost by ten to the Hawkeyes in Ames. Stock up, stock down for the Cyclones. Uh, stock down, definitely for the Cyclones. Um, I would say the the most disappointing uh, start for any team in the Big Twelve. Obviously, we've seen this before from Matt Campbell, um, but I would say that there's a couple, you know, really big red flags. Uh, for me, when I look at the way that Iowa State's performing, uh, the first one is is Brock Purdy, who just hasn't played very well. You know, another guy who is expected to have, you know, a big season. He came back to try to help uh, Iowa State win their first conference title, uh, basically since prehistory. Um, you know, right now he's, he's not playing at a very high level. Uh, he's completing 70% of his passes, 8.1 yards per attempt. Uh, both solid numbers there, but only four touchdowns, uh, four interceptions, uh, got benched towards the end of that Iowa game. And then, uh, you know, special teams as well. You know, probably the biggest reason that Iowa State lost that game to Baylor last week after massively outgaining the Bears uh, this was something I I know that the the special teams you know issues have kind of been there for a few years, but I wasn't fully aware of this until you know Saturday. Iowa State doesn't have a dedicated special teams coach, which is you know almost shocking with you know the level of competence that you know Matt Campbell has displayed and in, in becoming you know one of the hottest young names in, in college football, and you know that's something that they have to get fixed, and um, it's it's just. It's crazy to me that they that they don't have somebody whose job is is to coach special teams. If if you look at their uh, coaching staff, there's there's no one who's assigned that role. So I guess it's kind of a a by committee approach, and um, it's not working right now for the Cyclones. 
And they return 11 starters from last year. You know, Brock Purdy, he's a junior, but I'm pretty sure he's been there for about 10 years. Brees Hall, still a sophomore. Xavier Hutchinson is back. Uh, Chase or Charlie Kohler, the tight end's back. And pretty much everyone on their offensive line is back. I think starting just one underclassman, Jake Remsburg, the the right tackle. So this is, you know, really surprising. But like you said, we, we've seen this slow start before. Um, 2019, they were 2-2. Two and two. After four games, 2018, they started off one and four before they ended up winning eight games. 2017, also two and two. And then 2016, started off one and four, but they only won three games that year. So we're used to slow starts. This is an Iowa State team that usually, by the end of the season, they get better and better. I really wish Texas would get a chance to play the Iowa State in the early part of the Big 12 season instead of playing them at the back end because it seems like by the time Texas faces them, this Iowa State team is completely different than the team they were in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I think it would be um, incredibly disappointing if that wasn't the case given, you know, the level of experience. You know, you mentioned the offense on defense. You know, Mike Rose, uh, one of the best linebackers in the conference, Greg Eisworth, the second, a guy who also seems like he's been around forever. Uh, leading the secondary, Will McDonald, you know, along the offensive line, uh, plenty of experience on, on the defense as well. And you know, I think you're you're right about Iowa State that they follow the trend lines that they have in the past. You know, this is a team that you know should be able to turn things around fairly easily if they can, you know, just even get back to to playing to the standard um, that they were playing to last year. That would represent you know a massive jump for them right now. So stock down for the Cyclones. Third team, um, the Texas Longhorns, 3-1 after four weeks, of course, playing TCU. This week, picked to finish third in the Big 12 in the preseason. Stock up or stock down for the Horns, Westcott? I'm going to go stock steady Mm. with Texas. Um, You know, Mm. we talked about this on Monday, so no reason to get too deep into it today. But, um, you know, I think the expectations are, are back a little bit where they were in the preseason. Um, and certainly the offense has, has really come around. Uh, Casey Thompson as a starting quarterback, you know, has, has seemed to unlock a level of efficiency in the passing game, you know, still uh, some potential for more explosiveness there and improvement uh, from the offensive line. And, um, you know, I think looking ahead, uh, you know, the pass defense needs to stop giving up some of the big plays that they did um, against Texas tech. And I think the run defense, you know, has a little bit of, of room for growth and, and being a little bit more effective in that uh, front six. Yeah, third third in the in the Big 12 preseason rankings. Um, if you go after, if you just judge off the first week in, in Big 12 play following last week, you just overreact. I think, you know, Texas is stock up and everyone else is almost stocked down except for maybe Baylor. But, you know, that's where you kind of have to – be careful of what you expect out of this Texas team because we, we've seen this story, you know, plenty of times. We saw it actually against the Louisiana game where we thought um, this team was going to be a lot better. But it seems like every week expectations have changed. You know, following the Louisiana game, it was stock up for me. The Arkansas loss stock way down. But then after the last two weeks, you know, it's been back up to the stock up. But, you know, they beat TCU going to the Oklahoma game. I, I think this is probably the, the best case going in is 2-0 and in conference play. Yeah, no question about that. I think, um, you know, if Texas can beat TCU, then, uh, you know, I'd, I'd definitely be willing to say stock up uh, overall for the season. All right. So 
Stock down for OU and Iowa State. Stock steady for Texas. Now Oklahoma State. They were picked fourth in the Big 12 coming into this season. Currently undefeated somehow. 4-0, I believe they're a top 25 team getting ready to face Baylor. That'll be a top 25 matchup. Um, coming off a, a 31-20 victory over Kansas State. Last week at home, they beat Boise State 21-20 the, the week before that. Uh, stock up, stock down for Mike Gundy's Cowboys. I'm going to go I'm going to go stock steady with, with Oklahoma State as well. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of been a little bit of a reversal for Oklahoma State this year and, and maybe even last year a little bit where, you know, they're a team that were that were always carried, you know, by their offense, you know, going through the years, a lot of really strong evaluations across the board on offense uh, for Mike Gundy kind of overachieving, uh, you know, what the recruiting expectations are for a school like Oklahoma State. Um, I would say, you know, the really disappointing thing is uh, the lack of development from Spencer Sanders, which has been surprising to me. He was a guy that, you know, I, I thought coming out of high school had had a ton of potential. Um, I don't think he's realized all of that potential yet. He's been a little bit inconsistent. And I think some of that is that Oklahoma State doesn't quite have the same um, amount of talent that they're used to. Um, I don't think they're quite as good at running back as they have been the last few years when they had uh, guys like Justice Hill and, and uh, Chuba Hubbard. Um, but, you know, the defense is is playing at a really high level right now. And I think if they're going to make noise in the Big 12, um, it's going to be because, you know, that defense continues to play at a high level. It feels like every time I watch the Oklahoma State game, uh, I see Spencer Sanders limping off, and then I see Shane Illingworth coming in. It just feels like Sanders just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all during his Oklahoma State tenure. I know he was dealing with injuries earlier in this season. Um, they'll have a bye week before facing Texas, so you know I expect to see Sanders for that game. But big matchup this week against Baylor. Baylor's defense has, has played pretty well. We'll get more, talk about more on them a little bit later but yeah i'd agree about stock steady maybe maybe a little stock up you know four and is always a good start for an oklahoma state program but again they haven't really faced anyone i didn't look too good against missouri state they didn't look good at all against tulsa um a good one against the boise state team on the road and then knocking off i think a very well coached kansas state team is pretty good for them one last thing on the cowboys uh mike gundy's son is on the team can you guess his first name if you already, you might already know it. Um, no, I don't. Gunner, Gunner Gundy. Ah, uh, makes sense. Yeah. All right, our next team, TCU, of course, facing Texas this week. The Horn Frogs coming off a shocking loss to SMU. Currently. Two and one on the season, only played three games, had a bye after uh, beating California in week two, 34-32. Now we'll host Texas. Stock up, stock down. Uh, stock down for TCU. Um, you know, really disappointing loss for them, you know, last weekend against SMU. Uh, some strange uh, decisions made by uh, Gary Patterson and how he structured his defense um, that didn't hurt, that didn't help things there. Uh, but just uh, – you know, really surprising to see, you know, some of the breakdowns that they're having in the secondary. I know that they, you know, they lost a couple guys who, you know, were very good in 2020. But you know, Gary Patterson is a guy who's always, you know, evaluated defensive talent so well. They've basically been able to replace, you know, all the guys that they've, you know, talented guys that they've had come through there in the secondary uh, without the type of hiccups 
uh, that we're seeing from them this year. And, and um, you know, a couple kind of rough years for TCU. I'm uh, a little bit, I would be a little bit concerned if I was a TCU fan about, you know, whether Gary Patterson, you know, has lost his touch a little bit. He's been there for 20 years. I think he's, he's taken that program about as far as possible, but um, you know, there's not a lot of margin for error at a school like that. And, you know, I, I think that some of those cracks are, are starting to show right now. Yeah, only six wins last year, five wins in 2019. Had that 11-3 and season where they went to the, the Big 12 title game and lost to Oklahoma. But since then, the most wins in any season is 7-6 and six in 2018. Didn't look good at all against SMU. Their, their defense is just not the same as you touched on. Nearly lost to a Cal team that only won one game last year, and their only win this year is against Sacramento State, and they gave up 30 to them at home. So definitely stock down. But, of course... If they beat Texas this week, that'll change everything. It just seems like, you know, they judge Patterson by if he beats Texas or if he loses to Texas every season. Yep, and um, there are a lot of favorable judgments in that regard. We'll see if that changes on Saturday. Next team, West Virginia Mountaineers coming off a loss to Oklahoma last week, a game that they probably should have won, but Oklahoma able to squeeze out the win a last-second field goal. Their 2-2 two and two had a top 25 victory over Virginia Tech, 27-21, but then lost in week one to Maryland. We understand that pain, of course. Uh, 30-24, to Maryland actually undefeated currently. Stock up, stock down for the Mountaineers. And you had to bring up Maryland, huh? Uh, stock stock up for the Mountaineers. Uh, I think for me, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I've been impressed with, with their defense. Um, you know, I think... Uh, you know, they had that issue with their defense coordinator last year, had to make a change uh, just before the season. I think that's, you know, worked out uh, about as well as possible for them. Obviously, they have, um, you know, Dante Stills there, uh, still in the middle of that defense, creating a lot of disruption. Um, I don't think the offense is particularly explosive or dangerous. Um, I think, uh, you know, Jared Deggie, can make some questionable decisions uh, sometimes, you know, I definitely go back to, you know, the Virginia tech game where they're trying to put it away, you know, have a key third down, try to call a, um, you know, a running back screen. It should be fairly low risk. And then Deggy just floats the pass, uh, throws the interception, Virginia tech, uh, takes it down and almost scores. But, uh, you know, the Mountaineers defense kind of rose up in, in that situation, was able to keep them out of the end zone and, and preserve that win. Uh, so, you know, I think this is a, a West Virginia team that's going to have to win uh, defensive struggles like they played against Oklahoma. Uh, they, they weren't able to pull that game out. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous team. And, um, you know, that trip to Morgantown, especially for Texas, uh, maybe the last one, I, I think, you know, that's going to be a challenge late in the season. Yeah, that'll be scary to play that one in Morgantown, second to last game for, for Texas before facing Kansas State in the Thanksgiving Day game. Um, offense, just nothing that scares me. Daggy just, you know, they had the, I understand it's Oklahoma, you know, a big crowd, primetime game, but, you know, they really should have won that game. And just the struggles at the end to get down there and kick a field goal would have solidified it. But just, you know, the, the miscommunication on the snap. Good defense, though. They're going to be in a lot of games just because of their defense, and it's just going to come down to whether or not their offense will be able to score, I think. But they, they'll play upset in a handful of games this year. 
Next squad up, Kansas State Wildcats, a team that I was pretty high on this year. Um, mentioned Scar Thompson getting injured, probably won't be available for the Oklahoma game. Of course, Will Howard will be starting. They're 3-1 they're after that loss to Oklahoma State last week. Knocked off Nevada in week three, beat Stanford in week one. Stock up, stock down for the Wildcats. Uh, stock down for the Wildcats. Uh, I think they're so heavily relying on Skylar Thompson that they really needed him to stay healthy this year because there's just a big drop off uh, between the play that they can get from, you know, Thompson had, had a couple interceptions, started off, hasn't thrown a touchdown pass yet, but, you know, veteran guy averaging 13.3 yards per attempt, completing two thirds of his passes. Uh, Will Howard just isn't as accurate. They don't have the explosive passing game. And, um, you know, if they can't do anything in the passing game, that really allows teams to focus a lot of resources on bottling up Deuce Vaughn, you know, one of the most dynamic players in the Big 12. But, you know, not the biggest guy, not the guy that's going to, you know, break a lot of tackles at the line of scrimmage for Kansas State. So I think they're I think they're a well-coached team. You know, I think they're tough. But, you know, without Skylar Thompson, I, I think they – they just don't have uh, that extra juice that they need offensively. Yeah, without Thompson, their offense is basically just Deuce Vaughn, and if they're able to get the ball to him or not, and, and defense is just going to focus focus up on stopping Vaughn, especially Oklahoma going into this game this week. Without Scott Thompson, um, you know that really hurts their offense. I think with Thompson, if he could stay healthy alongside Will Howard, they are a dangerous team, but without Thompson, who knows when he'll come back. Um, It'll be tough for the Wildcats. Oklahoma this week have a bye, and they face Iowa State. So they could be looking at 0-3 in conference play before that Texas Tech game at the end of October. And real quick, uh, Deuce Vaughn, 13 carries for 22 yards uh, last weekend against Oklahoma State. That's uh, just not going to do it for the Wildcats offensively. No, it will not. Now Baylor, they were picked um, seventh in the Big 12 coming into this year. They're 4-0, coming off a big victory over Iowa State, uh, blew out Kansas. Schedule has been uh, pretty easy. Texas State and Texas Southern, their matchups in week one and two, but they haven't been so far this year. Baylor, 4-0, like I just said. Westcott, stock up, stock down. Stock up for Baylor, for sure. Um, probably the surprise team of um, – of the Big 12 so far, uh, you know, Jerry Bohannon, uh, not a guy who received a lot of playing time for Baylor. Uh, you know, Jacob Zeno was a, the guy, you know, who came off the bench uh, when uh, Charlie Brewer was struggling. But, um, you know, Bohannon has just been off to a really remarkable start, completing 73% of his passes, 9.2 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, uh, zero interceptions. Hasn't been super explosive um, in, the, in the running game, you know, maybe – uh, not not really um, playing to his, his uh, real capabilities there. I'm not sure if, you know, Baylor is holding back some of the quarterback uh, run stuff that they're doing. You know, obviously, you know, he's a, an excellent athlete who came in as kind of a runner primarily. I think this weekend, uh, this game against Oklahoma State, I think is going to reveal a lot about where the Bears are. But, um, you know, uh, just a really impressive start from them and and especially from um, their rushing attack with uh, a revamped um, offensive line for the Bears. They have brought in a number of guys from the transfer portal, and uh, so far that's really paid off for Dave Aranda in his second year. 
Yeah, Jake Burton from from UCLA. He's helped out a lot. They had a Vanderbilt transfer, I think, Garrett Miller, a uh, Buffalo transfer. So they definitely have revamped that offensive line, a good rushing attack. Treston Ebner, the senior, comes back. He's always scary in empty space. Tyquan Thornton, R.J. Sneed. So they have some talent offensively, but I think we're going to look back at the Iowa State game at the end of the year and think, wow, Iowa State was really bad. Or, hey, this better team, actually pretty good. So uh, – Big game against Oklahoma State this week. They have BYU in three weeks. That'll be interesting. West Virginia after Oklahoma State this week. Um, definitely stock up for this better team. David Rana doing a great job up there in Waco. All right, Texas Tech. They were projected to be ninth in the conference coming into this year. Of course, uh, gave up a 70-piece to Texas last week. 3-1 and one on the season. Opening victory against Houston week one. Beat Stephen F. Austin by six. And then beat Florida International University in week three. Stock up or stock down for the Red Raiders? This is a tough one. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this Texas Tech team right now. So I'm just going to take the easy way out and, and say stock steady um, on, on Texas Tech. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, all the, all the transfers you know, that they brought in improvements um, from the defense. The defense certainly didn't play very well last week. Um, you know, I, I thought uh, they weren't, you know, they obviously weren't able to get any pressure on Casey Thompson. Um, you know, the offense showed some of the explosiveness, um, you know, in the vertical passing game, even with their backup quarterback. I uh, haven't seen anything on, on Tyler Shuck and, and his injury, but, you know, Hen- Henry Columbia came in and I thought, you know, played really fantastic for them. So, you know, if Shuck is going to be out for an extended period of time, uh, just based on what we saw from Columbia last week, I, I think that he could come in and, and do a solid job for them. But, you know, the running game, uh, that was so effective, um, you know, really stalled last week. And I think getting Todd Brooks back, if that happens this week or, or next week, I think um, is something that that would really help Texas Tech. And um, it may be that they're that they're better than what they showed against Texas uh, last week, or you know, maybe that um, you know that that three and O start was um, a little bit of a, a paper tiger against um, you know not a great slate of opponents. Yeah, definitely a little bit misleading. I think the 3-0 start, but this is a Texas Tech program that's only won four games in the first two years under Matt Wells. So already one went away from tying that. So I would kind of say maybe stock up, even though they probably aren't as good as their record indicated going into that Texas game, considering where this program you know, has been over the last couple of years. If they can get to a bowl game, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2017. It was the Birmingham Bowl. They lost to South Florida. So I think if they can get to a bowl game, you know, even get the six wins, I think it's a stock up for a Texas Tech program, right? But Yeah, big game against West Virginia this weekend. Um, I think we'll, you know, find out a lot about them with that game. If, if they can win that game, then um, I think stock up for sure. That leads us to our last team in the Big 12, um, Kansas. They are... One in three, beat South Dakota week one. They did lead in that game against Duke last week. So, I mean, that's kind of a half point of a win, I think, right? Um, got blown out by Coastal Carolina on Friday in week two. Lost to Biller 45-7. to seven. Um, When I look at my Robinhood app, or my Acorns app, uh, I can't even find Kansas on there. The market not letting me pick stock up, stock down in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Lance Leopold may be able to turn things around. Um, you know, I'll sum up Kansas football right now uh, succinctly. 
<laughs> and I think that's all we need to say about the Jayhawks. I do like Jalen Daniels, though. He, he looks a little bit frisky. He's someone that um, in that Texas game in November 13th is going to have like a couple like 30-yard runs, and you're just like, why can't this Texas defense stop him? But all right, well, that wraps up stock up, stock down. So now let's turn our attention to this TCU game on Saturday. And we'll start off with Max Duggan. Um, when he faces off against Texas, he's the best quarterback in the world, it seems like. 504 passing yards in those two games, two touchdowns in the air, 151 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, so five total touchdowns against Texas. Um, he almost had three in the game last year, was out of bounds at the one-yard line for one of those. What have you seen from Duggan this year, though? His numbers a little bit up, but um, it just seems like it's game-dependent with Max Duggan. Yeah, I think part of what's happening with him is that the TCU offensive line has had some struggles. Uh, they've given up five sacks in the last two games. Um, you know, I'm not sure. You know, the, Zach Evans has some good numbers, but um, you know, I, th- I think for Texas uh, with Max Duggan, I, you know, the, they need to slow down the running game for Max Duggan. And I think they need to be able to disrupt him in the passing game. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, the last couple of weeks, you know, there's been a fair amount of conversation surrounding the Texas pass rush. Uh, not a lot of pure numbers from the Texas pass rush in terms of sacks. Um, you know, of course, Sark rightly points out that it's not really about the sack numbers. It's about forcing the quarterback to move, getting him off his spots and, and making him feel uncomfortable. They've been able to do that. They need to do that again with Max Duggan. But, you know, again, the, the thing that makes Duggan dangerous is that he's a very good scrambler. And so, you know, if the Texas defensive line is going to get into the defensive backfield, you know, as, as we talked about, um, you know, with, with K.J. Jefferson, um, you know, they need to be, um, you know, really cognizant of their pass rushing lanes and maintain discipline with that uh, because they can't really afford to be giving up. Um, you know, long strand will stick Duggan, especially, you know, if they're able to get him into long down and distance situations. Yeah, in the 2020-2019 game, Duggan led TCU in rushing against Texas. And this year, it's basically just a two-headed attack. It's Duggan and Zach Evans. 110 rushing yards this year for the quarterback. But, of course, those five sacks count into those numbers. So, I don't know his true rushing yard statistics. But against Texas, you got to think Gary Patterson is going to try and – and use Duggan and especially Zach Evans to try and get this offense going. His passing numbers, yards per game, actually at a career best, 239 per game, but he's seventh in the Big 12 in passing. Of course, he's played one last game than most people. Um, completion percentage is just around average for him, 60%. But his average or his yards per completion is up to about 10 which is a little bit scary because against that Texas game last year, he averaged over 10 yards per completion. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, the guy, you know, who really worries me in the, in the TCU passing game is, is Quentin Johnston. Um, he's one of their big play wide receivers. Of course, you know, Tay Barber is there as well. Uh, Texas is very familiar with him. Um, but Quentin Johnston, the former Texas commit, uh, big guy on the outside, 6'4", 200 pounds, came from that, um, you know, Temple offense that that runs uh, kind of that veer and shoot uh, derived from uh, from the Art Bryles tree there. Uh, nine catches for 133 yards, uh, two touchdowns for Johnston this year. 
averaging almost 15 yards per catch. Um, he'll be a challenge for Texas. Um, you know, I'm interested to see if they put uh, Josh Thompson on him or Deshaun Jameson. Uh, Jameson got banged up, uh, struggled last week and giving up two of those uh, three long completions. Um, so interesting matchup uh, to watch there. And Duggan's done a good job of spreading the ball around. Seven touchdowns this year, but six for the different receivers. Tay Barber, Darius Davis, Blair Conright, Spielman, Noel Johnson with the most with two touchdowns. But there is no one receiver on this TCU team that is his favorite target. So we'll see how Patterson will shake things up offensively. Probably going to try and get those guys on the field as much as possible for this Texas game. Now we've talked about Duggan. Now Sack Evans, of course, Texas Fans remember him from all his uh, his time being recruited. That was a, a really fun saga. But now he's landed in Fort Worth, and he's having a great year so far. 190 rushing yards against Cal, 113 yards against SMU. We have a really good matchup this week, Bijan versus Zach Evans. Yeah, no question about that. One of the biggest storylines in the game, I think, uh, Zach Evans – uh, was the highest rated running back in the 2020 class for a long time. He had some of those uh, kind of off field issues late in his career that resulted in his suspension for the, from the state championship game as a senior. Uh, Bijan ended up as, as the number one ranked running back um, in that class. And so, uh, you know, certainly TCU fans, some of them believe that Zach Evans is better than Bijan Robinson. Uh, 42 carries, 330 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns on the ground, four catches for 84 yards, one touchdown. Um, John Robinson has, uh, you know, been a little bit more productive, played the extra game, not quite as as um, many yards per carry, 6.2 versus a 7.9, uh, but five rushing touchdowns, uh, two uh, touchdowns through the air, eight catches for 145 yards. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, I, I was watching, um, you know, some of the highlights from from Zach Evans from from last year as we kind of make this comparison between Evans and, and Bijan. And, you know, it really stood out to me, um, you know, Evans has put on uh, close to 20 pounds of muscle this year. Uh, but last year, I thought that he wasn't really very good at, at moving the pile. He, you know, he didn't look like the strongest guy. He was very much a, a downhill north-south runner. Um, he's a guy who had a sub four-second shuttle time in high school, but that lateral quickness really didn't show up very much at all. He wasn't a guy um, who was, you know, making cuts and, and making guys miss in the open field like we've seen from Bijan. Uh, there wasn't really any evidence of the contact balance uh, that, you know, probably the one thing that makes Bijan um, so special. Um, you know, I, I would say that I wasn't a huge fan of how they were using Evans. Um, I think there is maybe one play out of all of his carries that he got on a jet sweep where he was able to to bounce that outside. And, you know, they didn't look like they, they if TCU ran any outside zone really last year, I, I didn't really see it from Evans. Um, so I'm curious um, what you've seen from Evans this year and if he's kind of grown in some of the same ways that we've seen Bijan grow in terms of the improvement in his contact balance and being a better inside runner. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing, you know, why he was such a, a top-ranked quarterback or running back, excuse me, in high school. He, he's very talented. Um, like, the, the 20 pounds of muscle, I think, is huge. Just watching the way he runs this year versus last year, it's he's almost a, a different running back, and he's doing it with, you know, an offensive line that hasn't looked great so far this season. 
So it's really interesting to see Patterson's game plan is always to run the ball heavy. They, they always average more rushing attempts than, than passing attempts every year, especially against Texas. They ran the ball 51 times last year against UT. And so and you got to expect the same exact thing. We're going to get a heavy dose of Sack Evans. Um, I think if, you know, if he's not really breaking arm tackles and making guys miss in the open field, then, you know, I, I think Bijan's a, a significantly better running back. Um, I'm not sure that he's quite, you know, as explosive because man, give, you know, last year, you know, if Evans had a crease up inside, you know, he was gone. And so, you know, I think the Texas linebackers need to be um, really on point with their run fits um, because, you know, if, if Evans, you know, can get downhill and break that linebacker level, then, um, you know, the safeties need to be uh, taking the right angles or, or, you know, you can give up some long runs to them. Yeah. If you compare the two running backs, Evans definitely more of a downhill runner. Bijan a little bit more shifty in space. I mean, we saw the, the juke moves he had against Texas Tech just last week. Just you know, you just you just laugh. Just, you know, what's it like being that athletic? That's that's what I want to know. Just being able to make a juke move just like that. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we talked to to Marvin Overshone after the uh, Louisiana game, and you know, one thing that he said was that his favorite part of the game was that they didn't have to tackle Bijan. And uh, I saw PFF had. Uh, Bijan, number two in the country in missed tackles, forced, uh, I think, 35 or 36 already this year. And, um, you know, I've, I've really thought that, you know, most of the opponents have done a pretty good job of bringing him down fairly often in the open field. Um, but, man, that's that's uh, probably one of the most difficult tasks in college football right now, I think, is, is trying to tackle Bijan Robinson uh, once he gets into the open field. And when you compare the numbers between Evans and Robinson, you know, remember, Bijan is sharing carries with Roshan, with Keelan Robinson, even with, with Jonathan Brooks. For TCU, it's been mostly all sack Evans. I mean, their backup, Kendry Miller, the freshman, he's gotten a few carries, but it's not like he's being spelled in the first and second series like Bijan has been this year. So I think if you get Bijan the same amount of carries or the same amount of play, snaps as Zachary Evans, I think the numbers would, would favor Bijan. But I think one of the key points there is that, um, you know, Texas has three blowout wins. And so, you know, they they just struggled to run the ball so much against Arkansas that, that it didn't make a difference. But, you know, Bijan hasn't had a chance to run against a tired defense in the fourth quarter yet. And so I think if, if Texas can try to wear down that TCU front, which I don't think is as good as it has been in the past either, you know, along with the secondary, um, you know, I think there could be, you know, even more bro broken tackles than, you know, we've seen so far, um, you know, if that TCU defense starts getting tired late. Yeah, that's scary. I, I didn't even think about that, that he hasn't really faced a defense in the fourth quarter besides Arkansas. Wow. Any other, any other thoughts you want to wrap up about TCU's offense, Evans, Duggan? The flag being planted at midfield, anything? <laughs> Gary Patterson's had quite the whiny week. <laughs> he's, he's been on one. I mean, it, when, when you have your own athletic director not even really defending you, then you know you're out on the limb, man. Gary Patterson's kind of a weirdo, dude. How many times have you watched his uh, music video or his country song? <laughs> I saw the SMU version once. That's about enough for me. I, I haven't watched the Gary Patterson version. I think I'm probably good on that. 
one last thing before we wrap up. I'll touch on it more in my opponent preview coming out tomorrow, but this TCU defense, we alluded to it earlier. Just one quick stat for you, Westcott. Opponents' yards per completion in the air, 17.5. Worst in Division One right now. Yikes. Well, thanks for listening. We, we appreciate it, of course. Um, do we get any mailbag questions? I just realized I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Effectively, the answer is no. No, I know we had we had a lot of comments on our our podcast thread from Monday, but I didn't see any questions. It was um, mostly just comments. So yeah. apologies if we missed anything. Yes, we'll apologies. We'll be better about it um, for sure. But of course, we'll be back again Monday. Uh, a quick little recap following Sarkeesian's press conference. Who knows? Will, will Texas beat TCU for the first time in what feels like a decade? Win number three would be over TCU. They get it done. We got a limb. I think Texas wins on Saturday. What's your uh, official prediction? That's it. Just that they're going to win. So going to win. Noah, any advice on any betting advice from Westcott? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the line opened at five. Not sure what it's at now, but um. <sighs> I won't, I won't say anything on that either. All right, Westcott, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you.